0: Welcome back. We are back. Two weeks off for American Thanksgiving, Javier. I don't. Uh, what do you do? You work for a U.S. based company here. You just forget about Benzinga and go hang out with the El Planteo kids for a week?
1: A little bit. I mean, so Thanksgiving week. Uh, I mean, I, I got a lot of work done. Really, it's it's a slow nice. day. I just sent a bunch of texts to people. You know, saying something like, I don't know if you do celebrate Thanksgiving, but, you know, I'm I'm thankful to have you in my life and this and that. And uh, I don't know, it was was a a nice day. Yeah, Uh, Javier's a a sweetheart.
0: Yeah, Y'all, we're going to be chatting a little bit about the markets today with Morgan Paxia. He is going to enlighten us as to some of this movement and what we're seeing. I'm wearing a phenomenal hat. Burn Cush and not Cash. Right. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Order.co. That's going to be the vibe today. Burn Cush not cash, Uh, courtesy of Order.co. Check them out. Awesome company. Uh, I'd like to touch on this article from Patricio yesterday about uh, this Brightfield data, Michigan's green boom, some incredible data in there about consumption uh, from Brightfield. So we're going to get to all this, but first off, let's get started. Aaron Thomas, bring us in. Javi, Javi, Javi. One thing we do gotta touch on, man. The largest cannabis event in the world. I'm not gonna say it's the best one, because I think Ish. that belongs to us.
1: I think largest large by what? By, by, by like people, sponsors? Right? I don't think so. How many people attend this? I would I would put around like 20.
0: It's definitely less than previous no, dude, years. But most of the
1: no, the event in Argentina has like 60,000 people. The event I spoke at in, in Chile two weeks ago had 35,000 people.
0: Woo! But,
1: Biggest but the event other, in the U.S. We just downgraded a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's, it's different, right? There are expos like my, my, my uh, panel 60, that I did. 60,000 people? Yeah. Like, but, but for instance, I did this panel in Chile like two weeks ago. Uh, at this event, there was like maybe like thirty-five thousand people, but it's like a music festival mixed with a cannabis expo. So, like for my panel, there were maybe like two thousand people in the crowd, which is good though. I, I'm not saying it's bad at all. Uh, but it's not like two thousand people, people listen to me. My name's Javier. <laughs> <laughs> they were all there for Koala Puffs. Big shout out to our friends Koala Puffs and Simon Espinosa at Envola. Great panel. It was called Apocalypse Grow Shop, and it was about uh, like paraphernalia and grow supply retailer struggling in the Latin American markets. You know, after the initial boom following legalization, a lot of people wanted their bongs. and wanted to grow during the pandemic, and and now they're they're struggling. There's just like too many of them out there, and it's not very different from what we're seeing in America. Actually, where where you know the, the bigger companies like maybe Green Lane are are also seeing sales decline. Um, where we're where we're seeing like people have enough bongs, they're not growing at home so much. And suddenly there's there's demand for finished products. Suddenly, you know the the the, the hype is all around pre-rolls or vapes, right? Or beverages.
0: Hmm. It's interesting, man. A lot of data to consume there, but I will say, uh, you know, there's just it. It, I'm not going to say it's over. It's uh, oversaturated in the retail sense, <laughs> um, because you know one could argue the exact opposite. Uh, but it's definitely similar. That said, we're also going to be chatting with Juliana Whitney. I forgot to mention that pre-credit role here. Juliana Whitney from Leaf Sheets. Really excited to have uh, some perspective there uh, when it comes uh-huh. to applying for
1: a cannabis business. Very cool, man. I love education. Yeah. One, one, one more thought on, on this. What I was talking about right now, you know, about pre rolls and base, right? Uh, there's data to confirm this, right? Pablo Swanich at Swanich and Associates issued, issued, a, issued a report recently that, of course, Benzinga covered, Nico Rodriguez covered, uh, looking at Q3 trends in Canada, and they saw. Significant year-over-year growth in vape sales with 24% growth and pre-roll growth at 25%. Concentrates at 43. percent
0: You know what I think the biggest hit on vapes has been outside of the whole vape crisis, of course? Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's been like just the sentiment about wellness. And it's hard to make vapes synonymous with that sentiment of wellness uh, when you're... Inhaling a combustible, right? Yeah. It it becomes like not I super mean. focused on wellness at that point, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, and at the same time, like the vape pens and the disposable vapes, they're a little bit iffy, you really don't know what goes into them. And and more and more people are buying, you know, like vape devices that work with concentrates, right? Whether it's like the PAX Plus or the mm-hmm. Puffco or the Zenko or the Focus V or whatever it is. Uh, and there's some portable ones right like a puffco just came out again with 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 the smaller like portable device and you get your own concentrate that you know it's good that you know it's clean that you know who makes it and then you have your little device and you put it in there and it we- works pretty much like a vape pen but the difference is you know what's going in there right and you know how the technology works you 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 see all the components the components are high quality you know it's it's either good metal or ceramic or or something that that is you know, not uh, produce somewhere you don't know where it's produced, right? Uh, hmm. Many times produced by iffy manufacturers. Of course, there are also very good producers of, of this kind of hardware like Ispire, right? But you don't know if if who, who's buying from who, right? If, if they're buying from c it's great. If they're buying from Ispire, it's great. If they're buying from anyone who's reaching out on LinkedIn, Jupiter. like, hey, Javier, yeah. I'm, I'm Johnny from Shenzhen selling vape hardware and i don't know the, the brand really and i'm not saying it's bad or good but it's a little bit of a mystery
0: i got a few of those reach outs pre-mj biz and i do want to say on that topic i was sitting on a phenomenal panel probably because you couldn't make it but you know well i'll still i'll fluff myself up a little bit called meet the cannabis press and it was because of an amazing show that we get to do with javi and all of our guests morgan paxia our uh, producer, Aaron Thomas, really want to thank everybody. But all that said, some really cool insights. And what I want to point out uh, in terms of AI uh, from, from media, for PR, from Rochelle Gordon from Green State, which is um, the cannabis um, publication for Hearst, she said something so great. A treat AI like your intern, not like an employee. Now, was like, oh, well, yep. said." That was such a good moment but also some really great insights on pitching on uh, you know what to include with photos uh, on, on all of these um, different aspects when you're talking to media uh, and mm-hmm. when you company are connecting um, mm-hmm. with PR firms or trying to act as your own PR advocate, there are processes yeah. to follow so make sure you read up, reach out to LinkedIn. We're all hanging out there. 100%.
1: Make, make my life easier. Chances are I'll be more inclined to cover. If and I Javi have always responds, but you emails, might be the only person ever that yeah, always but responds. sometimes I will respond. Like, you know, today I got an email from someone I don't know saying, call me. And I'm like, what is this about, dude? It's like, oh, yeah, I got this pitch about THC. And it's like, well, then send the pitch. And then he sends like an, <laughs>
0: an
1: unintelligible email. Uh, I, I I go back and say, hey, do you have a press release or a website? But by that by that point, I'm not very inclined. I already exchanged like four emails asking for information. They're giving me something that is completely messy. I'm, be I'm, prepared. I'm
0: yeah, be prepared. That's exactly right. But Javi, anything else, man? Do you want to cover any news items before we jump to talking about a little bit of capital markets Morgan, in the cannabis
1: space? I want the big Morgan Paxia. Can we bring him on, Mr. H <laughs> Let's
0: bring on the big Morgan Paxia. <laughs> Big Morgan,
1: how you (laughs) doing? Big and great are kind of the same word in Spanish, to be fair.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, that's incredible. Morgan, what's up, man? Been a few weeks since we've gotten to hang out with you. You know what? Last time we talked, I'm pretty sure you dropped a bomb on us, and then we just didn't talk for a month. And that was just wait, there's there's something coming. And then uh the new Uh, speaker of the house showed up a couple days or a day later, I, I think, from our discussion. So, man, it's it was also we've had
2: the boys. But yeah, yeah. So. <laughs>
0: yeah. It, oh, that's right. So, I mean, listen, we've had a lot of movement in stocks recently, some positive movement. You know, I'm looking at some of these stocks. It looks like Cresco up 18.8% today. I mean, we're, we're seeing some positive movement. Let's just, let's just refresh. Yeah, still. Still not yeah, that it much. Just... <laughs> Is it really?
2: Wow. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, OK. So, I, I mean, honestly, tell us about it, man. What are you seeing in the markets right now?
2: Yeah, you know it's really interesting. I think this is uh, one of the most unloved, underappreciated, underlooked at uh, bull market we've seen in cannabis. Maybe in the ten years I've been doing this, uh, no one believes it. Wow. There's it's just full of, uh, um, you know, full of pessimism, full of skepticism. Uh, but you, do you look believe at, it, you know? I do. Yeah, I yes. think we turned the corner on fundamentals, uh, especially good companies. The better companies are, are moving ahead. Others are struggling. I think there's still there's a lot of uh, challenges in the space, no doubt. But if you're a good company, you're you're moving ahead. So fundamentals and, and Q3 was one of the best quarters we've seen. It was beats all over. A lot of companies beat expectations. Um, you know, growth is still low, but at least they're doing a lot of work on the operational side to right size uh, the business. So um, I think that sets a good foundation. Um, thankfully, they a lot of the companies, most of them guided to a cautious Q4. And so keeping a good uh, realistic bar, because you want to sequentially beat, right? It's, it's helpful to do that. That helps build investor <laughs> confidence. Sure. Um, so we have that going on and we have this, this. who knows when, the, when this whole DEA thing's gonna come out. Um, you, you see there's no flow supporting any potential movement um, but we know when that does happen, we we you know with a lot of the institutional capital we talk to, um, they have a, a, a lot of interest in getting involved because of a, a rescheduling, not because of safe. I mean, safe safer is largely off their radar is something not to focus on. But anyway, yeah. So this it's it's amazing. Like you talk to investors and nobody cares about this market moving in a good direction.
1: It's interesting you mentioned the DEA. Uh, yesterday we published the uh, Veridian chart of the week, uh, and it looked exactly at that. Which companies have the most upside and downside from a DEA announcement? And uh, I mean, it's an interesting break, uh, breakdown, right? Like there's there's downside risk by you know medicine m- for medicine mind technologies and cannabis. Uh, Terracent, They mentioned MariMed. They mentioned Forefront. You know, it's 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 very interesting. You can go check it out on minzinga.com slash cannabis after the show. But um, what do you think? Are there so, any companies that you see as, like, potential winners of this?
2: Well, yeah, it's really interesting. There's this discussion around, you know, you could call them uh, reform dependent. Um, you know, Jesse's kind of coined that term a couple of times around some of these names that their balance sheets are in, in pretty rough shape where if we don't get a reform movement, they're options are pretty slim um, versus good businesses that have, have overcome that. Like, you know, GTI is kind of like the gold standard of our industry and they're, you know, they're just powering ahead. They're buying back stock. Um, You know, they're just a a really good business, really, you know, conservatively managed balance sheet. So they're less dependent on, on reform, but they're going to keep powering ahead. I, it's tough for where we sit to get too excited about um, common stock that is so speculative that is that is so needed uh, to to work with reform um, because uh, you have to ask the next question of so we get reform how are they going to resolve their balance sheet is, is it going to be massive equity issuance so that's massively dilutive is there enough support to uh, consume all of that and at what valuation does it create for the company to get that equity issued um, that it wouldn't you know penalize the existing shareholders uh, significantly. Um, they may be able to refinance the debt, but that's just buying time because it's not really resolving. It sure buys more time for them to potentially grow into it. But a lot of these companies need cash. You know, uh, several of these companies mm-hmm. in the queues, you know, I mentioned the good companies, but the ones that are struggling, is, there's a lot of companies in default on on certain debts. And, and mm-hmm. you know, usually the common is, is not a place to be when you have a company uh, in default on its debt.
0: I have to ask, man, we're talking about Q3 right now and we see two companies being true leave and I think the other is Jushi um, who just come out and say, eh, don't care about rescheduling. We're just not going to (laughs) pay the the taxes. I I mean, there's more to it than that, but can you give us a little sense of um, the boldness and just why now? I, I mean, if there was a legal standing, why not a year ago or two years ago? Is it just because they're bullish on rescheduling?
2: I think that's a, a fair way to summarize it. I think how uh, companies are are approaching this rescheduling event in different ways. Um, the very few are just continuing as if rescheduling may never happen, but most are not in that position to do that. Where they have, you know, they're they're electing to defer or electing to, uh, in in that instance, just not even recognize it and 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 still carry it on the balance sheet, but um, but not allowed to flow through and and impact their cash um because the the challenge is is when rescheduling happens because it does seem like it's a when not if thankfully um trying Mm -hmm. to reclaim that money is going to be extremely hard to do and i and i know like firms like boy schiller will (laughs) gladly represent and try to go after reclaiming it but but it's it's a lot easier to not pay, and then and then for it to be, um, yeah. and then just get. Yeah, like, I, I don't see
1: I don't see the the former happening really. I mean, right? Do, do you really see the IRS just going, hey, you know what? Here's some of your tax money back. Right. <laughs> Weed companies. <laughs> I mean, this is not like, like you know, you, you pay your taxes in advance as a freelancer or something and, and you're like, a, whatever you are, like a double W9 employee and suddenly it's like, oh, wait, you know, you overpaid. <laughs> you know, they were paying what, what they were supposed to be paying. That's right. Per the current law. You know, yep,
2: I agree. And, and you want to you kind of have to ask, what, what would you rather have is getting that money back or getting a, a better tax rate post 280E? You know, because one is a one-time event, one is in perpetuity, arguably, right? And so, like, you look at what happened in Ohio, the voters voted for a 10% excise tax. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then the Republican um, uh, representatives are coming in and trying to put a 15% excise tax. When when Schedule 3 happens, we don't want a 15% federal excise tax. So I would much rather that, you know, companies still have to pay what they owe for the past, but on a go-forward basis... The tax rate is is a much more, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, reasonable yeah. tax rate where these companies can thrive.
1: I agree. I mean, and, and they knew, they knew what what they were getting into, right? Like all these companies have planned for the current tax rates, right? If they get relief in the in the future, then it's great, right? That is what we want. But but I I don't see it being retroactive. And, and you mentioned Ohio, and I think that is that is a, an interesting topic, maybe to close it up here a little bit. It's it's you know. You know, we, as some of us know, some some might not, but like Republicans are trying to gut the cannabis law in Ohio. Right. Voters overwhelmingly decided they want to don't use cannabis. And they they voted for this issue, too, which had very clear stipulations regarding home growth, regarding taxes, THC limits. And you have a bunch of, of Republican senators in Ohio trying to basically overturn or ignore the will of the voters and make changes to the law before it takes effect on, on December 7th, right? What what do you see happening here? What, what do you envision happening here? Um, it does
2: sound like it is kind of a high bar for them to affect this change, but I don't rule it out. I, it's it's still a possibility, and it's concerning for Ohio. Um, you know, I, I'm, you know, for... Republicans that are supposed to be states rights minded, this feels very stupid, Um, just to be blunt about it, because it is, you know, look at California, we have a 15% excise tax. And how's California doing? It has been a, just a brutal market to, Mm. uh, to be doing well. And and, and Ohio is surrounded by, you've got Michigan to the north, uh, you've got PA to the east, and PA is potentially heading to adult use so you have two borders and then otherwise you know there's not much but you have two borders that will i was like saying to the team yesterday i'm like i'm bullish on border doors there because you know 15% excise tax you put a michigan door right there that's going to do phenomenal because they were well, just way better about it
0: first of all i'm offended i'm a kentuckian and you know we're not we're not not much come on morgan give me a break here <laughs> well,
2: where's kentucky <laughs> but, the biggest <laughs> legal market
0: nowhere Nowhere. Nowhere soon. Uh, But all that said, you're absolutely correct. You know, I do actually have one more thing before we close up. True or false statement here Um, on Twitter. um, Cannabis investor influencer friend Tony um, uh, basically came out and was like, listen, investors are not really going to get in until something happens federally. And even then, say stocks double, uh, it's still going to be way less. Uh, than what they should be trading at. So they're still going to win, but they're not going to risk it until then. So this movement mm-hmm. actually seems to be a little bit more positive when you put it in that consideration. But do you have any, any commentary on that? Do you, do you agree with Tony and uh, what he's saying?
2: Um, Yeah, well, yeah. So about the institutional capital, they are waiting. Um, they They've just been, you know, the rug's been pulled too many times, so they're just going to wait. Uh, you know, we were told for 10 years that we would have banking reform. We haven't had it. So they want to see it. They don't care if, yeah, if the first turn they miss the first hundred percent, it doesn't really matter to them. Um, I do really wonder about where they will allocate the capital, though. Um, And this is where to the earlier point we were talking about with like the reform dependent or those that could be the most that could be perceived as those that would benefit the most from it. I do wonder how much institutional capital would want to flow to them, though. Because knowing that they have very significant balance sheet issues, cash issues or in default. You know, if, if you're an institutional investor, are you would you start with the highest quality or the most speculative quality? Um, and, I, and I'm sure it'll come more broadly because I, I would suspect there will be a lot of retail, you know, individual investor flows that will come along with rescheduling. And so maybe that will give those more speculative companies the ability to you know, affect some of the balance sheet work that I was mentioning. Um, But I would suspect their institutional capital at least will go to the deeper, more liquid names that can take more sizable uh, investment dollars versus like the very, very small ones that you just can't. You can't put $10 million into a sub-$100 million market cap company. You just can't, Mm -hmm. right? It's just not, not, there's no liquidity for it. Makes a lot of
0: sense. Morgan, we do have to keep it moving here, man, but Insight's always appreciated. Really appreciate Uh, You coming on after several weeks and give us the lowdown. We'll talk more next week. But until then, have a great rest of your week, our friend. All right, y'all. Awesome, awesome uh, time always with Morgan Paxia. Love him. Javi, any thoughts before we move on to our next guest? No, man. I'm I'm kind of
1: happy to be back.
0: I know. know, I know. I missed this. Y'all look for some changes. Look for some changes. We're going to be offering some more content, some more podcast content. So keep an eye on
1: Benzinga Cannabis channels, oh my God.
0: whether on YouTube, oh whether on
2: Twenty
1: Twenty Four is going to be a killer. Surprises on the events, friends. Surprises yeah. on the product front, on subscription and premium products, on shows, on content, all around cannabis yeah. and psychedelics.
0: We are Kids. we are diving further into this industry. And I'm so excited about it. That as said
1: as ever, baby. Yes. Boom.
0: All things to Javier Jase. Javier Jase. The man. All right. <laughs> Next up, we have an amazing leader in the space who's making life on business <laughs> applications easier. And you know, I, I gotta Julia, tell ya. you
1: know, in the background, he's an amazing leader. She's like, ah <laughs> <That's
0: me. laughs> well, That's I, you. let's ever tell us about it. I'm excited. I am excited. Let's do it. Aaron Thomas, let's bring over Ooh. Juliana Whitney from Leaf Sheets hi juliana how are you
3: hi i'm well how are you
0: gosh i love your hair thank you i appreciate it i'm jelly (laughs) um uh, i'm i'm jealous (laughs) i'm jelly uh but also (laughs) juliana thank you for joining us today i was looking at your site simplifying cannabis entrepreneurship that's Mm -hmm. a bold claim my friend can you tell us a little bit about it
3: right? Uh, so I've been doing canvas business consulting and winning applications and licenses for well-funded investors for eight years. And during that, I have a ton of entrepreneurs who come to me and say, uh, you know, I want to start my company, but they just don't have consulting firm funds or big law firm funds. So I thought, well, if you have some startup capital what can we build so that everything you would get with a consultant is available basically as a product so we launched leaf sheets which has all of the standard operating procedures and then we found the limitation in that model and that people still didn't have the guide all the guidance they needed just in written format so now we have learn with leaf sheets which is more like courses and stuff to guide people through everything they need
1: that's awesome. What are some of the, the challenges that you're addressing, right? When it, you know, because you to create a guide, right, that is kind of catch all. Yes. Uh, yeah, you have to identify a series of very recurring, common challenges that applicants encounter.
3: Yes, mm-hmm. those across the board in <laughs> every state I've worked in. Usually, it's understanding regulations. So government. Websites are usually your main resource. If you're starting out, that's where you find the regulations, updates, applications, everything like that. And government entities are not known for very user friendly websites. So applicants often have a hard time even just finding information as to what's going on, how to do anything. And then from that point, even once there is an application released, They don't understand what it says or what's required. Uh, There will be names of plans and they just go, what does that even mean? What do I put in that? How do I write that? All of these things. Um, And then things that seem easy. So getting your business license, getting certain certificates, getting um, licensed just to do sales, stuff like that. And then fingerprinting, craziness. Fingerprinting, for whatever reason, is the hardest for people to understand (laughs) just how to do it correctly and like what codes they need. And so all of these things are usually difficult. So I was like, okay, we can use the standard operating procedures we've used to both license and open businesses across the country. And then you know, what's in them, you know, what's in the plans. And then let's create a guide. That tells you, okay, here's you step-by-step how you do your state's application. And now we're doing more like video, audio, actual courses, which we did for the first time with New York and are going to do for uh, all the new states next year.
0: You know, there are whole business models um, surrounding the data that yes. it sounds like one would need to do what you do correctly. I mean, I'm thinking simplify it, regulate like law. Regulatory compliance data that is always updating. I'm thinking um, Obedio, licensing data, cannabis media licensing data uh, is constantly changing, constantly updating the value of So It sounds like to me you you're you take you would need both of those datas to to really effectively do your job. I'm are you pretty data centric?
3: Yes. So paying attention to that, paying attention to the entire market across the country rather than just any individual state. And then also data that has to do with consumers. So staying up with purchasing data, product trends, that kind of thing, because then that really helps with our modeling for the business planning piece of it and then helping people understand what they might be able to make and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. What is the vendor network? Sorry, I'm just looking at your website here. I, when, I, when I think of uh, introductions to the best vendors, you win a license, right? You yeah. connect them with POS. You connect them with a build-out service. Uh, and how big is this network?
3: Yeah, so it would be architects, construction, POS, packaging, uh, even helping them find vendors in their market that they, you know, if they're a retailer to source product from, that kind of thing. The network at this point, it's probably around 50 or 60 companies. Many of that, uh, are, we've got a lot of lawyers, because <laughs> lawyers, then you know, so many price points and types. Um, so we have a lot of them in there. And everything in that is like, we won't just take anyone who says we want to be referred by leaf sheets. We only take companies that are proven that I've seen are really valuable uh, and genuinely simplify for actual operators and remove, you know, all the tripwires that they face in operations. And so that's really the important piece of it because I've seen so many people start their company and then it's vendor after vendor, service after service just let them down, they're wasting money, there's inefficiency, that kind of thing, so we want to remove that.
0: I'm sorry, one more follow up, Javi. You said something earlier that it i swear to god it was the most cannabis thing i've ever heard in my life but i've never heard it before uh <laughs> l- law firm fund uh, law firm and i was like oh my god like uh, that that is that has cannabis written all over it um what is i mean do you find that common is that like people have law firm funds so they don't need what you do like uh just give me a little bit more insight is what you mean by that
3: Yes. Yeah, so some law firms will do the application process and help people with the startup. And so there's the law firm funds. There's law firms who charge like they're a consultant. There's law firms who charge less so they can have that customer then long term and make more over the long term. Uh, and there's some benefits and limitations to working with law firms. So a major limitation is they don't do operations. It's not their thing. So uh, like guidance with leaf sheets helps you actually understand the operational piece and navigating that part. But yeah, the law firms, man, they're a big expense. <laughs> 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 like always working with lawyers all
1: the time. What's the balance there, right? Because at the same time, you do need a lawyer, I mm-hmm. assume, right? Or, or can everything be done sell, like on, on a self-service basis, right? I'm also looking, for instance, as at your different SOP products, right? and. And there are like employee agreements and HR paperwork. Like, where's the line there, right? Like, between simplifying many of these things and reducing your expenses, but at the same time being covered legally?
3: Yeah, (laughs) obviously, we want every company to be covered legally. Uh, So almost on almost every blog post we write, we say, advise, you know, find legal advice (laughs) as well. Um, there's a few different models we've seen people use because I wasn't hundred percent sure the approach, even the customer would want to take starting out, some clients will just want to do so much DIY that they will only use leaf sheets, but we've found even more frequently that we'll have clients who don't want to work with consultants. So they'll get the standard operating procedures and hand those to their lawyers. And then their lawyers will do the customization of them and make sure, you know, they're all compliant, have all the regulations and everything. And then even if it's a smaller startup company, they get all the leaf sheet stuff and they do the customization. They usually still, and we always advise this, work with at least a lawyer to review things, get things like their agreements with any other parties, that kind of stuff. Um, Because we don't do that. We don't do not do interparty agreements. And then obviously that's one of the biggest ways companies... (laughs)
1: Have problems. I gotta ask though. Like, do you have lawyers doing these things specifically? Like, if if I get like a a a standard operating procedure or or an agreement from leaf sheets, is that created by a lawyer?
3: That's been reviewed by lawyers, so it was created by consultants and people actually who've done you know operations, and then lawyers have reviewed all of our documents.
1: I think I I had to ask.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have to ask It's It's a big question. Like, are these legit? Uh Yeah, they are. We've been really grateful to have actually some of the top players review, which I was stoked about. So well,
0: that's yeah. awesome.
3: So I, I
0: guess one last one for me, Julianne, just give us the the vibe that you're feeling. I know it's it's such a broad question, right? <laughs> but when you, you when you think about who you're you said, you know, you supply applications and this service to, um, to people with money, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it sounds like you're not supplying the service to people who have been in the cannabis space, uh, unless you're talking about the largest corporates out there, which they yeah. have their own legal team. So I'm assuming these are people coming from outside of cannabis um, that are looking to apply for a license. Is that assumption correct?
3: Mainly. We have the people who are startups or social equity applicants, let's say. We've got them getting the documents. One surprising group of customers is people that are really well-funded and just don't like consultants. They're like, no circumvent the consulting piece let's go to the lawyer but give me the operational documents and then we actually do have operators but they don't tend to buy they could buy our standard operating procedures but they tend to buy We've got logs and like agreements and employee review forms stuff like that all of that does really well with the operators because that's the kind of thing if you don't have it it takes a lot of time to build so why not just like buy it real quick um so that was cool
0: and then when you talk to these people are they hesitant? Are they excited? I mean, what's the vibe of, uh, oh my God, I can't wait to get into this next market or, or oh, should I really do this? And I guess that's what yeah. I mean by vibe is like the expansion uh, mm-hmm. or the entrant into cannabis. Is it still exciting people?
3: It still excites people, especially in new markets because they've not been surrounded by everyone saying, Oh, this is hard, you know, (laughs) they have (laughs) no idea to them. It's still brand new and it's still really exciting. And there's all this opportunity. They haven't been through, you know, New York 2021, when I went there, rose colored glasses, everyone was so excited and I was just, yeah, I let them, I was like, yeah, you should feel this. I'm not going to take that from you. I'm not going to tell you this is maybe going to be rough. And then, (laughs) uh, yeah. And then, then here we are, like, are in 2023. <laughs> now it's
0: a totally
1: different tune. Oh, Lord. i with playing the Grinch. You know, the market is, is opening up here in, in Argentina for a few years. You know, it's, it's been opening up. And people, you know, person after person I meet, you know, we, we meet for coffee or an event or, or I get invited somewhere to speak. And, and they will go like, yeah, I have this project to do this and this and that An export of Germany. I'm like, dude, are you sure? You, you, do you have money? sustain this business for eight years before making money and they go it won't be necessary yes it will be yes it will be I know you're excited I know you want to grow weed for a living it sounds awesome it's tough it's tough it
3: is tough and I have kind of a split view on it. I always make sure to tell people how hard it is. At the same time, I want to keep it alive that people have so much hope. It's like maybe one in a million of them actually make that work on a small level. But right now, more than ever, we'll we'll have the opportunity for them to try. Whereas later it will be even more difficult. So I like to warn them, but Mm -hmm. also like keep that entrepreneurial spirit alive. If you're warned and you want to run with it, go for it failure's okay. You know, if that happens, you learn a lesson. Um, yeah. So I kind of like, you don't want anyone to suffer and lose all their savings, Mm -hmm. but if they have some money to take the risk then, and they're willing to, then I usually am like, okay, go for it. See what you can make happen.
0: You never want to be somebody's last dollar. That's a a tough place to be. Never. (laughs) Yeah. People in this industry have been there and man, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting site from afar. Yeah. Um all that said, Juliana, is there anything else that you feel is important for our audience, you know, think cannabis investors, uh diversified investors who are not yet, you know, investing in cannabis but they're keeping an eye on the space, and then cannabis professionals. Right? I I mean yeah. when you look at the licensing process, when you look at the growth of this industry, when you look at the people who are getting these licenses, uh any final thoughts for our audience?
3: Yes, for any professionals If you are looking for a job, I would say don't get too excited just because you're getting into the industry, especially if you're new. Really do due diligence on the business you're going to work for. That's a huge one. Anyone in the business that's hiring new incomers, I would say open your mind more about who fits certain roles. Don't be so limited that they need exact cannabis experience because there's so many experience people who are really good for specific roles in our space and then investors i would say you know double down on the due diligence i've had a ton that still will just get so excited or believe the hype believe whatever founders they're listening to that are just you know so convincing and get themselves in a troublesome spot that they just didn't see coming because they haven't experienced an industry like cannabis before, and that I think that's really important. Just like do more work to really dig in and understand things before investing.
0: Mm, well said. And you're you're still seeing that. I'm uh, still seeing
3: that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Or will invest in things that make no sense. Like they won't. I'll I'll hear an idea. And there's no way in the current regulatory framework that that idea will come to life, at least not within, you know, five or 10 years. So that kind of thing. Yeah, it's still happening. I think it's just emotional decision. And everyone wants to believe they're going to do something that's, you know, once in a lifetime, huge. And mm-hmm. so they're still willing to buy into that.
0: The emotional decision of cannabis.
3: Yep. <laughs> that's
0: a theme of this month and this year. But Juliana Whitney, CEO of Can Strategy. Uh, and also uh, of Leaf Sheets. Awesome, awesome getting to meet you and chat Thank with you. Too. Cool <laughs> insights, honestly, and educational for me. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Juliana. alright you All right, y'all. Two amazing conversations. Javier, my last thoughts, man. Burn kush, not cash.
1: Beautiful. And if you're going to burn some kind of weed, maybe try out the Leafly strain of the year announced today. It's called Permanent Marker, Indicondominant Hybrid, cool stuff. Congrats to our friends at Leafly for another very cool selection this year. And go to bcannabis.com. get your tickets for the upcoming Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference coming to Florida, this time in Hollywood, super revamped experience. April 16th and 17th, the tickets will never be more affordable than today. Go get them now, bzcannabis.com.
0: Yes, .com. Uh, I don't know if the market liked their strain. I'm just kidding.
1: But their stock is down 10%
0: today. (laughs) All that said, it is a cool strain, cool article. Go read it, y'all, on binzinga.com or uh, our our cannabis news feed on Benzinga's app. That's where I get all my news. I love the app. All that said, thank you all, Javi. See you Thursday for a few more phenomenal interviews. You're the best, brother. Thank you, AT. See you you then. Peace. Peace. I'm going to go